verse 31 of, um, of Psalm 18. <clears throat> Psalm 18 and uh, verse 31. The Bible says, Therefore, who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. And he maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. I want to preach to you here about how the Lord trains our hands for battle. And let's ask the Lord to touch his word here in the next few minutes. Lord, we're here. Your presence is here. I pray, God, today that, Lord, every need that you would meet. God, we know that there's healing. We know that there are things, God, that you bring to our spirits, Lord, by virtue of us being here. But I know, Lord, that again, God, as Brother Patterson taught, Lord, this lesson this morning, the greatest need that all of us have is, is Lord, salvation. I ask you, Lord, today, that, God, that there would be a saving work that would take place in the life of every single one of us here in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to read that scripture that I read to you here in the King James. I want to read it to you out of the NIV. And it says it like this. It says, For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle, and my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I read a story a number of years ago about a, a pastor, and um, it was in a time during his life where that there was just great physical and mental and even spiritual weariness that had settled in on uh, his life. And uh, while he was there, he, he started realizing that, that obviously that there was a challenge that was, was in front of him and as he began to progress forward, the Lord would drop in various places of, of revelation and insight and wisdom into uh, his path. But he noticed that, that as, as the battle that he felt started kind of drawing to a conclusion, that there was a, uh, a dream that he had one night. And uh, in that dream, he was in a little small house, and uh, it was very early we morning hours, and he uh, started hearing knocks on the door, people coming and and uh, trying to awaken him. And he got up, and uh, he said that this group of people was some of the saints that was there in uh, the church where that that he pastored. And he said that 
they begin to tell him, Pastor, there are, are enemies that are about us and that they are, are scattered around in various places. And he said that he walked out of that small house there and he said he kind of looked off up to the hills. It was around uh, that house there. And he said that, that he looked up and he said that there were there were warriors and they were seated on horses and and uh, he said that they were mocking and scorning this uh, little small church and he said that that as the dream unfolded he said he went in and he uh, got he had a bow and he said he got that bow and and uh, he pulled out his arrows and and knocked the arrows in the bow and he started shooting toward those enemies and toward the enemy soldiers that were there on uh, those horses. And he said that, that even as that went on, <coughs> he said that their, their mockery and their scorn was just, uh, just notched up a little bit more in the process of all of this challenge that, that he and the church was dealing with at that particular time. And and he said but that as he stood there, he said that all of a sudden, he said it was like the windows of heaven opened up. And uh, he said it was, it was like the hand of the Lord that reached down and, and handed him a, a bow that was, he said it was, it was gold colored. And he said that the Lord put that bow in his hands. And he said and this scripture came uh, to his mind, by my God, I can bend a bow of bronze. He said that at that moment that he took that bow and he started uh, putting the arrows in and he said it was at that point that that bow that was there that uh, started landing in the area of great accuracy and he was able to rout the enemies that, that were there that were opposing that church there uh, at that particular time. I, I believe those kinds of things. I know that there are some people that say, oh, that's far-fetched, it's a fairy tale, it's, it's so, so on and so forth. But, but I believe those kind of things that, uh, that this minister was making reference of. He said that a few days later, he said that he got a, uh, a letter that was mailed to the church from somebody that had visited months ago. And he said in that letter it was a, a great encouragement that came to him. But he said that the content of that letter was this psalm, Psalm 18. And that there were words that were there. And he said that, that there was another time. He said that there was a visiting minister that came through. And, and from 1 Kings 13 and 17, where the, the Bible states that there is an arrow of victory, that that minister made reference to that particular thing. I, I believe that that those things ought to be common among a spirit-filled church. And he said from that time forward, he said that there was just a fresh anointing and fresh power and fresh strength that came uh, into his life. The, the, the minister that I am making reference to, he, he wrote a book and uh, probably 25 years ago was whenever I came across that book. And it's been a great blessing to me over the years uh, written by a man by the name of Francis Frangipane called The Three Battlegrounds and how that he talks about that there 
are battles and challenges that every single one of us as saints of God uh, will face. But, but if God is going to take uh, a bow and, and the arrows and he's going to train our hands for the battle, then all of these matters are, are found leading up to verse 34. I want to point out to you one of the things that God does is that, that first of all, God will arm us with strength. And whenever you get to the place in your walk with the Lord that you start realizing that it's not your own strength and your own ingenuity and talent or whatever you want to call it. That, that you're depending on, but you're depending on the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you that you will walk in places of spiritual authority that you have perhaps dreamed of in the past. I want to talk to you about, and I'm going to preach about that perhaps tonight, some about, about where are the dreamers? Where have they seemingly gone to in our day? I can remember as a young man that there were dreams of, of revival and spiritual awakening and harvest and, and evangelism that would take place. Brother Patterson would take me uh, to because of the times. And I can remember those, those prayer meetings that we had there. Some of them were, were not pretty prayer meetings. They were marked by tears and they were marked by other evidences of, of agony and anguish on the spirit that says, God, I want to see a revival. I want to see your power brought forth in our lives. Those dreams need to be reawakened in this day and in this generation to believe that we can walk in the anointing of the Holy Ghost and that the enemy cannot just push back and hold us down. But there ought to be something on the inside of me that says greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Church, you ought to push back against those things. And this psalm here, I don't know if you've ever prayed through Psalm 18, but you ought to open your Bible up sometimes and, and pray to that matter. When God's authority is not in our lives, here is what happens. There's order and there's instruction and there's things that are totally removed from our lives. If you've ever wondered why that, that the devil is so intent on keeping your life and my life so out of order, is because he does not want creation to develop. You say, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us that. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, you know this. The Bible says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. When God steps on the scene in every one of our lives, what does he do? He starts restoring order back. He starts putting our lives and ripping the chaos out of it. And again, I am certain I'll I'm, I just, I'll tell some stories here uh, in the next few months about Brother Robert's life. But you heard, if you were at the funeral, Brother Patterson mentioned in the story about Brother Robert's testimony. Why was it that God wanted to keep his life so full of chaos and keep him drinking and keep him uh, depressed and keep him in that place? Is because the enemy knew that if God ever restored order to that man's life, that there was a plan that was in order. I'm going to tell you that. 
that was over 40 years ago. The same thing holds true today in the Apostolic Faith United Pentecostal Church here on a Sunday morning in March. That That's what the enemy wants to prevent in your life. He wants to keep you prayerless. He wants to keep you wordless. He wants to keep you with no discipline in your life. No desire for holiness and separation because if he can do that, then what he does is he rips away the parameters and boundaries that God wants to create because the fact is is that whenever creation starts moving in the life of the redeemed, what happens is, is it starts moving toward a place of spiritual authority. You say, well, what, where, where 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what takes place with this matter of conversion. And there's a difference between conversion and just an emotional rush. Conversion means that there are some things that takes place in your life that you actively start walking as a disciple. That's where you have to ask yourself the question is, is, is not so much as have I had an emotional response in my life, but have I been converted? Are there things that the Lord speaks into my heart through His Word and, and even through His preachers and even through prayer? Are those things in my life that is evidence of the fact that I am converted? Because when conversion takes place, it's the fact that God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to arm you with some strength and you find authority in a place of conversion. And so it is that one of the places that God can arm us with strength and authority has to do with the fact of, of this matter of prayer. Anytime you start getting around somebody that knows how to pray, and I'll just tell you this, if you start praying, here's what's going to happen in your life. If there are carnal, worldly people that are around you by virtue of prayer and ministry of the Word, those people will start falling out of your life. Why is that? It's because there's something in your spirit that doesn't marry up or... or you want to, you, this is not a good word, but it doesn't jive with your spirit and their spirit. Why is that? It's because there's an anointing. And any time that the Lord wants to put authority in your life, what's he going to do? He's going to pull you out of the land of Midian. And he's going to say, Moses, I've got a purpose for your life. There's a Pharaoh that you've got to go confront. There's somebody in your life that you've got to separate yourself from these Midianites and even from the Egyptians because because if you stay in the land of Midian or if you stay in the country of Egypt, you never realize the full potential of what God wants to do in your life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, he says, For this cause I bow 
my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit. Where in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth under or which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all fullness of God now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us how long is this going to last unto him be the glory in the church of Jesus Christ throughout all ages world without end amen know this church then the gates of hell cannot prevail against the true church the church of God is going to last forever it's going to move beyond the ages it's going to work beyond the confines of even time and God's got a purpose and he fills us with that purpose there are some petitions that you notice that comes out of that particular verse there look in verse 16 here's what it says it said for God to strengthen the inner man how by the power of his spirit that's one petition the second petition is in the last half of of verse 17 it says for revelation to take place about the limitless love and the Lord Jesus Christ now I want to just tell you this this morning that that the syrupy love that the Lord Jesus Christ that the world wants to present and says oh the Lord loves and he tolerates everything and that he wants to just let everything slide that's the most foolish definition of the love of God I've ever seen in my life because you've got to know this that when the Lord inaugurated his first part of his ministry he went into the temple and he cleaned it out. He went back again a second time before he was crucified and there was the temple that was cleansed again. You say my goodness how loving could that be anytime the Lord walks into a church or anytime the Lord walks into my life and starts moving things out he's doing that because he loves me. He's doing that because he says, you know what? I've got to get these things out of the life of this person, this preacher, this saint because it's impeding the flow of the work of the Spirit. (coughs) There's authority in prayer. We don't just pursue authority because of of its own because that was a trap that that Simon the sorcerer fell into in Acts chapter 8. He didn't want the power of God. He simply wanted the power. Why? So that people could look at him and say, wow, look at Simon the sorcerer. And Peter cursed him for that. He said, I'm going to tell you what, Simon. He said, you're going to perish and your money's going to perish with you because you're after just raw power. I want the power of God in my life so that any given situation I walk into, There's discernment. There's wisdom. There's knowledge. There's spiritual perception. Then the gifts of the Spirit are actively operating. And there's a price tag on that. There's a cost on that. And so whenever you start looking at the purpose of authority and prayer, and we're talking about the Lord strengthening us, there's a power that sustains us. (coughs) You ask yourself the question, power 
To do what? Well, to walk in the fellowship of suffering, Philippians 3 and 10. Whenever we're receiving power over sin, Romans 6 verses 3 through 5. Whenever we're being crucified to be like Christ, Galatians chapter 2 verses 20 through 22. Whenever we're being ridiculed for our association with the Lord Jesus Christ and His church, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14. Justin and I were at a conference here a few days ago. It was a preaching workshop. And uh, I need all the help I can get to get to be a better preacher. And that's right, Brother Williams, amen. And uh, you weren't supposed to say amen on that. Uh, but, but anyways, one of the, one of the, one of the things that, that was talked about, in fact, a couple of the sessions was, was the matter of holiness and separation from the world. And one of the things that was brought out was this, is that, is that if there is no ridicule that you're being faced in your life, and if there's no stigma that's on your life, it very well could be because you're not completely and totally identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if the people you work with, if, there's no, if they don't see any discernible difference in your life, Oh, he gets to work on time. He's an honest guy. Those are just good morals to have. But if there's no distinct difference that they see in your life, then, then it was brought out. And I, I, I thought to myself, I thought I ought to take that seminar and rework it and preach it to you here in this place. I want there to be a distinct difference about my life and my associations that there's a crucified life, that there is a life of holiness, that there's a hunger for prayer, that there's a hunger for revival, Bible, and yes, indeed, to see people praying through and receiving the Holy Ghost. In fact, last night I was over here, and and uh, I, I just again I've revisited a lot of memories in the last few months working in the student building, and I thought about that revival that Brother Clark came in and preached for us starting in 2005, and. We had him for a number of times from 2005 to about 2008 or 9 or so. But I remember Brother Clark walking in to our church. Y'all may or may not believe this, but there were times where there were people that knew when Brother Clark was coming, they'd skip out. They wouldn't come to church because they were afraid. They, they thought, man, he's going to. He's going to get in. I'm just going to tell you, we need that prophetic ministry in this church. We need the prophetic to be in operation because what is it? It's the power of God that helps us to understand and to know that God's got a purpose for our lives. So what does he do? He strengthens our hands for battle. And so it is in prayer. I don't know if you've ever seen those old Jews rocking back and forth. In front of that wailing wall. You ought to do that sometime in your prayer. Just get your hands up like this and just start rocking back and forth. Praying and talking to the Lord. And that there's something that, that takes place whenever you start praying in that manner. Because what that posture of prayer does is it brings an anointing of the power of God into your life. I got to hurry. The kids are in the hall. And so he strengthens us. And then the second thing that he does, 
because he makes our way perfect. Just me and you here today, Johnny. You've been so locked in the whole time I'm preaching. Thank God for that. Everybody else could just leave. Just me and Johnny in here. Man, he's been locked in the whole time. I was going to tell you something, Johnny. God's got a plan for your life. You hear me? He's got a plan for your life. And don't you doubt and think otherwise that I'm telling you this morning that God's going to train your hands for battle. The past, put it behind you. Come out of where you're at and say, God, baptize me all over again with the spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, He's going to make our way perfect. Let's stand. I'm ending early and I'm ending different. We'll pick up tonight. And somebody said something to me yesterday. I'm just going to say it again. I hadn't said it to you in a couple of weeks. If you're going to be different this year, you got to do different things. If you're going to be different, you got to do different things. God's got a plan. Oh, yes, he does. He's got a plan for my life. He's got a plan for your life, Johnny. He's got a plan for your life, John Paul and Brittany, Brother Johnny and Sister Mary and Sister Regina and Sister Regina and Hannah. I'm going to tell you here today that this right here is a training ground for the Lord to train our hands for battle got to lock into it. You got to believe it. You got to say that he's not just bumping his gums, but he's preaching prophetically in a way that God's going to work in my heart and in my life. Lord, I am thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your goodness. I'm thankful, Lord, for the liberty. Lord, for the freedom and the anointing, God, by which we have, Lord, operated here in this sanctuary here today. I pray, Lord, today God, that somehow Jesus in every single one of us, that there is a grasp, God, in knowing that you're training our hands for battle and that there's an authority of the Spirit, Lord, that you want to bring to us. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name.